Welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, teen culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. Our guest today is an expert on conflict and a friend that I met on LinkedIn, and I could not be more proud that she called me her friend and actually took me grocery shopping when I happened to be in St. Louis. So she is near and dear to my heart for lots of reasons, but her driving me to the grocery store is one of them. Today, you're going to get to hear from Jen Whitmer. She helps leaders solve conflict, cultivate communication, and create empowered teams. As an international keynote and TEDx speaker and Enneagram specialist, Jen helps organizations retain employees, increase efficiency, and develop healthy culture so that work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. She is the perfect fit for today. She's an expert in all the fields that are close to my heart. She is full of laughter, which she takes to every space she speaks in. Welcome, Hey, I'm so excited just to talk to you. Like, just have a convo. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be perfect. Okay, so I know conflict is one of the key pieces that you speak on. I posted a quote from you on my stuff, credited to Jen, tagged you, all the things. I got a lot of direction, and it was fake peace. Do you remember that quote? Yeah. So if you avoid conflict, you manufacture fake peace. That's right. And mm-hmm. So many people felt like that resonated with me. Talk to us. If that's something that everybody is working on in the workspace and struggling with, maybe not everybody, but a lot, what do you got up your sleeve to help us? Well, first of all, I mean, I just should out myself as a recovering conflict avoider. So I'm not Mm -hmm. coming at this from like the person who's like, let's go. And so just kind of knowing that In my experience, the majority of people do not like conflict. So sometimes we start to shame ourselves because we're like, conflict feels uncomfortable and I don't like it. Yeah, conflict feels uncomfortable and most of us don't like it. That is true. There are a few people, I always joke they're all on Twitter, but there are a few people who are great at conflict and also don't mind it. They're like, yeah, let's go. But they're actually the minority and they need help in conflict too because sometimes they become the people who just go through everybody. And that's not either. So when we're talking about conflict, I always, besides outing myself as the recovering conflict avoider, let's talk about what conflict is. So because some people think conflict is, I have to pick up the phone and call housekeeping because I don't have enough towels. And other people, conflict is the war. And so there's this huge definition problem that we have. So when I talk about conflict, here's what I'm saying. I'm talking about conflict as the struggle that can happen when we have limited resources and differing goals. That struggle that happens between people because we have limited resources and differing goals, that's a conflict. And conflict sometimes shows up like uncomfortable conversations. Sometimes it shows up what some people would call a fight. Sometimes it shows up as a courageous conversation, depends on how you're discussing it. Some people call it a disagreement. Some people might call it a debate. Those are all words that have different connotations. But if we kind of come to this idea of conflict, 
is the struggle between limited resources and differing goals, it helps us put a framework around it that feels less personal. And suddenly, Julie's not the problem. Jen's not the problem. The problem is the problem. We have to figure out, well, how negotiate limited resources and get on the same page about our goals. That feels very different. So I, I mean, you operate in your three C's, which are amazing and communication being one of them, that's where conflict comes up. So what do you, when you're working conflict, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, I love your definition. I do love that you help bring it out of the personal space. And when you're talking mm-hmm. about people who don't love conflict, you're so right. There's very few of us that are like, yeah, hey, let's have a tough conversation that I don't want to have because I feel like you're going to judge me or you're going to not like what I have to say. And I'm a people pleaser at heart. Like truly, I agree with you on all of yeah. those pieces, but I love that you take it out of the personal space. And I think that is an important piece, but it is. It's a part of my communication. I talk about conflict when I work with companies uh, and I talk about resolution versus closing conflict, and that there are two different styles of conflict. And how do we go about those? Because I do think that there is a time that closing conflict is necessary. We're breaking up. We're never getting back together. You you don't fit the company anymore. And there are people who struggle with, we need to close this deal, or I I need to say no because it doesn't fit my life right now. And that feels heavy and that feels like conflict. But it goes back to your definition. But then resolution conflict being able to talk to people, being able to listen to people, being able to say words that are not going to just be completely offensive when maybe you didn't mean them to be offensive. So what does it look like? And I, I break it down with the three codes, verbal, nonverbal, and vocal. And we, we talk about how can you create a conversation that will resolve conflict, being thoughtful about the words you say, what you sound like, and what you look like, how you sit, how you stand, because those pieces of communication are impactful to you. Yeah, they're huge. And I like that idea of how you, I mean, in you're in the middle of the conversation, those nitty gritty details, like one of the biggest tips I always give people when you're in the middle of the mess, I call it the messy middle of a hard conversation mm-hmm. is instead of asking why, ask what. So, cause why just automatically puts us on the defensive, which is challenging for me because I love why questions. I want mm-hmm. to know why, why is that your goal? Why is that resource limited? Why are we like, I want to know why, but as a human, that interpersonal connection, we're immediately like, we, we hear it. Like, why, why did you do that? Like, that's how we, I <laughs> yeah. Or, even if the question isn't intended in that way, the impact often falls in that. So that why to what does two things. One is immediately mitigates that, that shame defensive response. It, mm. it still might happen. It just, lowers the, it just lowers the dial a little bit when you say, what are the reasons you got to that? Or what are the reasons you think that? Again, with the tone, the voice, like that all is really important because you could still say, what are your reasons and have a similar effect. Right. But when you say, what are your reasons, you know, help me understand what some of those reasons are. However, you're phrasing that the what get, starts to get to the limited, you know, like what's the goal here? You know, what are some of the thinking? It also assumes they have reasons. Because often when you ask why, people are like, well, 
I, of course I've got reasons. But when you say what, there is this unsubconscious acknowledgement that you have some reasons that I don't understand and I am curious about them. How you say it is incredibly important, but just that shift from why to what is really, really powerful. The other thing I think that is super helpful is framing where you are in the stages of conflict. So you're talking about there's sometimes there's conflict where this is the end of the relationship in some way, shape, or form. And some of it is we have to get through this problem so we can continue to have a relationship. Right. And when we're talking about that, there's still stages of conflict. And the first one is forgiveness. And we don't talk about forgiveness a lot in the workplace, but it's actually really important. And the misnomer is if I forgive them, then they're off the hook. Or I can't forgive them until they apologize. But what's true about forgiveness is that it only takes you. It only takes one person to forgive. So I was in an incredibly toxic work environment. My leader used triangulated communication all the time, which leads to gossip. He was a gas, he gaslit a lot of times. Like he would say one thing to you and then go talk to somebody else and say something else and then come back and say, I never said that, even though you literally have notes and recordings. I mean, just, it was really, really so toxic. And I know this is kind of an extreme example, but there's no way that man was ever going to apologize. I mean, let's be real friends. I mean, if he's behaving in that way to protect himself and his own lack of skill and trauma and whatever, I have a lot of empathy for that, but he was never going to come back and say, you know what, will you please forgive me for behaving that way? Right. It could happen. I doubt it. And so what am I stuck with? Well, I'm still stuck with this thing hanging over my head if I don't forgive him. So forgiveness is for you. You forgive somebody else to release yourself from this thing hanging over you. There are times where two people come together and someone asks and they apologize and you forgive and extend. That's part of it. But I always like to start with forgiveness is for you. And that's usually the first step. And then we move on in like, if you can imagine a um, lock and dam system. So you're in the first lock and then water fills up and you come to the second one. And that is about reconciliation. And that takes two people. Two people come together and say, I did this, I did this. Here's how we work through this problem solution situation. We're relationally okay. We're solving the problem. We're reconciled. That's that's resolution and, and reconciliation. Well, then you move on to rebuilding, especially in interpersonal relationships. If you've got somebody at work who is, let's just use a simple example. They're never on time with their status report. I mean, this yeah. feels kind of low state. No, great example. really irritates you after a while. You're like, why? Why can't they just, you know, you get, oh, and you, you can forgive them for that. Like, I'm going to forgive them for that. That doesn't mean they're off the hook. You still have to solve the problem. So back to that limited resources, differing goals. What are some of the reasons this is, is, you're struggling with this? What, you know, and suddenly you find out with some feedback, I didn't actually know it was due on this time because- of whatever the leader's communication was. So you start to have this back and forth. You solve the problem and then you reconcile with, oh, okay, here's what I want in the status report. It's always due at this time. Okay, I can get that done. Can I ask for a reminder? Yes, I can send you a reminder. And then also I would like to suggest that you put a reminder in your own calendar to help you, you know, like back and forth to coach. That's what that conversation looks like. 
Well, then you've got to rebuild some trust because now you've just decided, but there is no evidence that that status report's going to come in on time. There is no evidence that mm -hmm. I'm going to, what I said either. That rebuilding phase is incredibly important. And what we want to do is skip that. And we want to skip actually even to the last stage because you can reconcile with somebody and decide it is not good for us to have a relationship. Right. And, you know, but it's closed and it's done. Then the rebuilding phase, you have to go through all of that. And then, well, what if you can't be reinstated? What if you lost something? The reinstatement, that last piece, we want to skip from often if we're the, the ones with the problem, shall we say. We want to skip from, don't you forgive me? And now I can just be the one in charge again. Like we want to jump yes. there yes. to that reinstatement phase. But really that rebuilding of trust is really important. That status report needs to come in on time or pretty close or even early consistently for a while. And you're like, yeah, okay. It's worth the effort. Yeah. This is worth the effort. I can now trust this person again. Like that trust building is so powerful because we want to think it's just about the status report. But the reason, I mean, we already did the like, why can't they just, we got all riled up. Our emotions yeah. also rebuild that connection and trust too. And it needs both emotional data and other kinds of data to demonstrate rebuilt trust before we can be reinstated. Or in the workplace, it might be promoted. It might be entrusted with a larger project, you know, that, that next step. But we just right. want to skip. We just want to be like, well, I said it, right? You know, how to do it. Why do you think that is? Because I love that you say that that's the most important phase because when you talk about conflict, or when you think about conflict, you, you panic and you worry about and you put your focus and your mind into the, the heart conversation, not yeah. the rebuilding phase. And you're saying that the rebuilding phase is the most important piece. Yeah. Why are we the way we are? <laughs> well, this is a question for someone above my pay grade. Uh, no. I think, I, I mean, that. it's human nature that we want to be, we want to judge other people by their impact and we want to be judged by our intentions. Mm -hmm. So as me as a human, I would like you to judge my intentions are to rebuild all of that and do what I said. And therefore, in also, we want to have the movie montage skip the hard part and get to the happy ending. It rains, it's fantastic, yeah. and now the happy ending is... That's what we want as humans because we want to skip the, the hard part. So, like, it kind of sounds like my workout, Jen. Like, I just... I was I, just looking at... I kind of don't want to... I don't want to do that. Literally, I was talking to my wow. mom the day, and I left, I left my workout class at Orange Theory, and she goes, well, how was your workout? I said, well, it was awful. I don't, I don't love it. She goes, well, why didn't you go? Because I... Because I want to... I want to fit back into that dress and I want to, I want to feel confident about myself and I want to be healthy, but I don't, that doesn't mean I like running. Exactly. No. Same. Totally. Totally. Yeah. There are parts of my workout. I was exactly where I was going with that. Like there is this one move that I'm just like, why am I holding my foot behind me and lifting this 30 pound weight in front of me? This is ridiculous. Except my balance is so much better now. My back muscles feel better. I'm not hunched over my computer because they're stronger. You know, the outcome is what we're looking for, but we want the movie montage to get there. And it's right. the same in our relationships because we don't like pain. Yeah. Nobody likes pain. Nobody likes discomfort. But um, everything good in life is on the other side. 
of some mm-hmm. kind of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. That is so good. So I think that's where we are. But that rebuilding stage, it's just really key. So I mean, we've got these nitty gritty things that we talked about, you know, the what, why to what, you know, that and, and the problem and resources, but also just knowing where you are. Are we rebuilding? Are we reinstating? Are we still in a reconciliation conversation? Where, where are we in this? It's just a simple framework to help right. you know where you are and label where you are. And that's really powerful. And again, it brings it outside of, brings it outside of that personal attack. So if I, if you're, if you're driving, do not do this. Let's do this podcast. You're driving, don't do it. But if you're not driving, just close your eyes and stand up. And then I want you to keep your eyes closed and try to sit back down. I'm assuming the first thing that you did was grab for the chair because you want to know where you are in space. And Mm. so knowing where we are in the process brings comfort and security. There's already so much discomfort and insecurity and conflict. Give yourself the power of a framework of, am I in forgiveness? Am I in reconciliation? Am I in rebuilding? Am I in reinstatement? And do we agree? That's really powerful. I love that so much. The power of your framework. It all still boils down to communication with others, but also communication with your own head and heart. When you look at that framework and you say, where am I in this space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. powerful. Yeah. I love that, Jen. So, important. so what tips do you have if the rebuilding phase is one of the most important phases and the phase that we want to miss the most, do you have any rebuilding tips for those of us who are trying to just get through the hard part? Yeah, I have a, I have a few. So the first one is kind of what you just said when you're talking about connecting with your own head and heart. Um, and I would add actions to that, how you think, feel, and connecting those three and having them all aligned is a lot of the work that I do with the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is a personality framework. We're not going to do a deep dive today. <laughs> just to give you That's one. Thing. No one. For real. You know. So and in the Enneagram, we, the, it's a personality framework that shows us the deep motivations of why we think, act, and feel the way we do. Well, that shows up in conflict in very specific ways, according mm-hmm. to Enneagram wisdom. And so understanding how your personality interacts is really important because in the rebuilding phase, if you don't recognize that you're still kind of in a conflict resolution situation, you might flip out a little. Like it might come as a surprise to you. And that, that is labeling it again, knowing where you are in space is really important. So there's three conflict styles in the Enneagram. One is called, I call them the dynamite. They tend to react really powerfully. They tend to react emotionally, which is important because emotions are a part of what we do and how we live in the world. And so it's, they're actually really helpful in that way, but they can react so emotionally and have an emotional outward expression that can be distracting to themselves and other people because they're wrapped up only in the emotion. So for them, I always suggest pulling back a little bit like a dial, like take a deep breath and dial your emotions from 100 to 60. That's still over 50%, but it's going to bring it down enough that your conversational partners aren't overwhelmed and your conversation then becomes more productive. And then There are more steps to that, but that's just the one in the moment, like learning how to bring down that emotional intensity. And what numbers on the Enneagram are normally your dynamite people? Does it work like that? 
It does. So fours, sixes, and eights. Those, I okay. know uh, the Enneagram, there's nine different types. They're labeled by numbers. So the yep. dynamites are fours, sixes, and eights. And they each have a slightly different way of dynamiting, but just kind of know that in general. Okay. Got it. And the next group are the cool cucumbers and they are ones, threes, and fives. And they're kind of the, so the fours, fives, and four, sixes, and eights, that dynamite are kind of like, uh, aren't you upset about this? Like, come in this with me. One, threes, and fives, and their conflict resolution style, they're all worried about competency. Am I doing this right? So they're like, no emotion. That's over there in a bedazzled box. We're just doing this. And they ignore the emotions, but that doesn't mean they're not there. And they tend to try to mitigate everything to do with the emotion. They don't bring them in at all. And they're kind of, per my last email, what's the policy? Those are some of the things they're looking for, which actually is really helpful when it's in context, because the detail of how you walk away from a conflict is just as important as how you get into it. And they provide that often really well. Also, a policy is kind of a pre-made decision. We actually don't have to argue about this because it's already decided for us. Now, if the policy is good or bad, different discussion. But that can be really helpful. A framework through which to make decisions. They want to feel competent. They like a checkbox. How are we going to walk through this? That's their goal. So in rebuilding, they're really going to want the action steps, which is really powerful for everyone. They're going to want two action steps when we might only need 10. So that that can be their downfall. So looking and making sure that one, you're solving the right problem as a cool cucumber because they want to get to action steps so quickly they can kind of miss the big picture. And then making sure that you're taking time to allow the emotions of yourself and everybody else be a part of it. That's kind of what they're working on in that, in, in conflict. And then the third group I call the silver linings. And silver linings are twos, sevens, and nines. And they're kind of just like, well, at least, right? Like, well, at least we're going to get this at the end. And again, that can be really powerful. A hopeful vision of the future. We want to feel healthy. And so we suffer through whatever that horrible coach's exercise is. That's what gets you through. But if you skip the hard work, you don't actually get it done. And so this group is going to avoid conflict the most. They're the ones that are the most likely to want to skip and just be like, it's fine. It's fine. There's, it's and so for this group, engaging in the conflict earlier when it's actually smaller, because here's the thing. Earlier means smaller and simpler. Later means bigger and more complicated. So mm. this group engaged earlier because it actually means less pain and usually simpler solutions. Yes. That's the thing for that group. So that's the first thing. Kind of know how you are approaching it. What, who's, who are you in this group? And, and how am I approaching this? And then oh the second God. break. I'm just going to pause. That, I mean, that's such a great breakdown. And I'm sitting here. I'm a, I'm a three heavy wing two. But I feel like I'm kind of dynamite sometimes. And I don't know why I am the way I am. I'm a little bit, I don't usually, yeah, I'm a little bit of all. I don't know. That's well, we all happens. have, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we also, depending on where we go, the Enneagram has moves that you say when you're stressed, you go right. somewhere else to take care of yourself. And threes can go a couple different directions. They can go to six mm-hmm. and have that like reaction. So, but note that about yourself. Like notice Am I trying to, am I being reactive, but I grab for the, for the process to help me tampen down my emotion? 
Am I allowing other people's emotions into this conversation? Those are questions that might come up in that three space. That's so awesome. Okay. So I know I could just absorb your energy and your beautiful tips all day long, but for now, wrap down for us that are your top three takeaways. Okay. So here, I want you to know where you are in space. Number one is where are you in this conversation? That includes who you are, what you bring to the table and the Enneagram things that we just talked about, or your other personality. If you've done any other personality, they're going to talk a little bit about how you manage conflict. Know what that looks like for you. So we just did a little bit of that for you. We could have got done, dug deeper as a three of like, well, how does that show up? And so you have a right. picture because the way I show up as a seven is different than the way my friend Sally shows up as a seven. Like we're both sevens. We both are like, it's fine. But the way we do that looks a little bit different. And so know for that for you. That's my first thing. The second thing is know where you are in space in this conversation. Are, am I just forgiving on my own? Are we having a reconciliation conversation where we're solving the problem? Are we rebuilding after that? And we've solved the problem because we've made an action plan. The rebuilding is acting on the action plan. Are we doing that thing and rebuilding trust emotionally and, and the other ways that you have a relationship with somebody saying, doing what you say you were going to do, fulfilling on the commitment, holding each other accountable in healthy and positive ways? Or are we into reinstatement or what's next? Are we, have we come there? Know where you are. Because if you're yeah. trying to reinstate and somebody else is still trying to solve the problem, that's, you're, you're not even in the same room, even though you may sitting being sitting across the same table. Love so that. know where you are in space, know where you are in the framework. And then here's my biggest thing. I said this in my TEDx. I say it in virtually every time I talk about communication and conflict. I we didn't talk about this, so this is super fast takeaway. When you are facing this limited resources and differing goals, <laughs> I want you to imagine that you are arm in arm, like Red Rover, Red Rover, elbow to elbow with somebody. So you're side by side. And that problem, that limited resource and differing goal problem is in front of you. So it's the two of us together figuring out the problem out there. We're on the same team trying to solve and that visual will help you come back to the not personal. It's about this limited resource differing goal issue. I'm not pointing fingers at you because my arm, I'm arm in arm with you. Well, how are we going to figure this out together? We're on the same team. That's right. the posture takeaway I want you to have. Because conflict resolution is always first a posture. Then it's all the skills that we talked about. So posture always comes first, even though that's my last takeaway. Which is I love that. It's a great takeaway. Okay, so... Challenge for all of us walking into our week. What do you got? Okay, so, so much of conflict resolution work and communication and leadership, all of those things is about knowing who you are. You know, research talks about the number one skill of a leader is self-awareness. And it also shows us, Tasha Ulrich is an organizational psychologist, and she's discovered that only 10% of us have really accurate self-awareness. So my challenge is always for you to start to notice who you are. So if you've got, and something comes up, something happens in my framework, I call that a catalyst. Something goes on. You're annoyed with the person in front of you on the road. The, you get an email and you immediately want to shut your laptop. Something happens and you have this, like whatever mm -hmm. that looks like for you. I want you to pause for a moment and just ask yourself, how am I reacting here? 
Am I reacting as a dynamite? Am I emotionally like I'm going to run, run with this and like get emotionally worked up? Am I wanting to feel really competent right now? Am I wanting to know what the rule is? Am I upset because I haven't followed the rule? Or am I just wanting to ignore this and I'm looking to grab my phone to scroll Instagram or I'm going to go to the next thing. I'm going to avoid this because I don't want to feel or think about it. Just start to notice what you want to do. Um, and how am I responding? And then the next question, so just what is happening? Like, what are you wanting to do? And then the next question I want you to ask yourself, which is super hard and scary, is what am I afraid of? Because at the root of everything is what are you afraid of? You might be afraid you're going to have to have a hard conversation. You might be afraid this means this person is going to get in front of me. Well, why am I scared they're going to get in front of me at the Starbucks line? Because I need my caffeine. That is why. You know, like what, what is the thing right. that you're afraid that's causing this thing in you. If you start to notice and observe that about yourself and just get curious about your internal world, your communication improves, your self-awareness improves, and everything else starts to improve. That's that key leadership skill. So that's my challenge for y'all. And then part B of that is to come tell me. Come tell me about it. Either at LinkedIn, DM me, or on Instagram, Come tell me what you noticed, because I would love to hear just what you noticed when you did, when you walked through that process. I love that. And in our show notes, we will have all the ways that you can find Jen so that you can do just that. And I, Jen, I like to finish every single episode with a beautiful quote for us to walk into our week. Uh, give us your favorite or most impactful quote. Oh, goodness. I think one of the things that is super powerful that relates a lot to our conversation today is one that I have heard from Emily P. Freeman and she is quoting somebody else. And I don't know who it is, but I always hear her say it. And it is, we get into trouble when we don't label things properly, We get into trouble when we don't label things properly. And so when we think about our frameworks, when we think about what conflict is, this is out of trouble when we label things properly. And so I think that fits with what we are talking about today. I love that. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise. I love getting to chat with you and see your beautiful face on Zoom. Thanks for having me. It was so great to talk to you, Julie. Always, always, always. All right, until next week. Thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast. They don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. All right, I'll see you next week.